Good morning. We are so glad you're here. And we are working our way this summer from Memorial Day to Labor Day in a series we're calling The Gospel of God. It's really about the book of Romans. And so each week we've been marching our way through the book of Romans all summer long. We're up to Romans 13 this week. He ends chapter 12 by, by saying, you know, do not overcome be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then he begins chapter 13 talking about about, uh, living under submission to authorities. And we read this passage, Romans 13. Often Romans 13 is used like in in God and country services or when when you're talking about uh, our role as good citizens and all of those things, which is wonderful and that's fine. But this passage has been misused, maybe more misused than any other passage in the Bible or close to it. Because Paul is writing, remember who he's writing to. He's writing to people in Rome. At this time, the emperor of Rome is Nero. We've talked about Nero. He is an evil guy. By the end of Nero's reign, he will blame Christians for everything. But Christians are already, at the writing of this time, Christians were considered the scum of the earth. And he's writing to these believers who who are living under this, this evil reign from this evil emperor. He said, sometimes we read this passage with our 21st century eyes rather than the original reader's eyes. And the original readers who are living under constant threat of their own life and well-being are reading these words. And so he says, you know what you need to do? You need to overcome evil. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And they're living in this evil empire. And then he goes on to say this, chapter 13, right on the heels So let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, if Nero, if Nero read chapter 13, verse 1, evil emperor Nero, who believed himself to be divine, who thought that he was God himself, if he would have read 13, 1, he would have killed Paul on the spot. Are you kidding me? No authority except from God? He would have said, wait a minute, I'm I'm divine. Are you, remember they, people had to say that there is no God but Caesar. There is no Lord but Caesar. And here Paul is declaring, wait a minute Nero, Mr. Nero, begging your pardon. (laughs) He goes on to say, therefore those whoever resist authorities, resist God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Again, this passage has been misused. Uh, there's been evil em- empires who, who, who tell the Christians, listen, Mr. Christian, you've got to listen to everything we say because we've been instituted by God and so no matter what we say, you've got to obey. It's been misused that way. Paul goes later on to say in verse 7, pay to those that is owed them, taxes to those taxes are owed, revenues to revenues, respect to others, respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And really what Paul is saying here is listen, we're called to be good citizens. And we need to remember that we're good citizens. We're the people who consider us scum of the earth. Don't give them fuel to their fire. We're called to be good citizens. Remember chapter 12, live peaceably with all as far as it depends on you. But what he's not saying is that we have to, to uh, agree even always with everything that the, the, the powers that be say. He's not saying that we, if it goes against God, that we don't just kowtow to what they say. Sometimes that's hard. Just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
The governing authorities told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, listen, you got to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and Shad- or, or go into the fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, oh, I hope it's not that fiery. And the governing authorities told Daniel, listen, you can't pray three times a day or else you're going to be thrown in a lion's den. And Daniel said, ah, I hope they're like the Detroit lions. They don't hurt anybody. And Paul would be executed by the governing authorities and so would Peter and Andrew and Matthew and Thaddeus and Thomas and every disciple except John who was exiled to Patmos. And Christians have been martyred ever since. There was a, a Christian martyr, Sebastian, in the, in the third century who was clubbed to death by the governing authorities. William Tyndale, the father of the English Bible. He was... He was, he was Stoned and burned at the stake. He was, they wanted him dead, 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 doubly dead for his Christian faith by the governing authorities. In the last century, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You can make the case Martin Luther King standing up for civil rights. South Africa, Desmond Tutu, who fought against apartheid. Christians, Christians who've stood up to those governing authorities said, wait a minute, God, God's law takes precedence over man's law. Now again, what, that, what, what, what Paul is trying to bring out here is it's not that it's always easy and that we are to be good citizens as long as it, uh, as long as it, it abides by God's law. It, it brings to mind in Acts chapter 5, remember Peter and John, that wasn't governing authorities, it was the religious authorities who said, listen, you cannot preach Jesus. And what was their response? Uh-uh, we must obey God rather than men. What Paul is saying here is wherever we are, even in living in a corrupt government like these original readers were, we need to remember that that there is a king higher than any other king on earth. And what that means is, in practical terms, it's good to love America. You should love America, but don't love it more than heaven. You You should be good citizens in America for sure but not a better citizen than the one in heaven. You should be thankful for your freedoms in America, but not more than your freedom in Christ. You, 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 should, be, you should be so glad for, for, for your American citizenship, but not, not more glad than your heavenly citizenship. That's Paul's point. He's saying to these people who are uh, in a constant struggle, in the first century. He's saying, remember who your king really is. Be good citizens. Don't give them reason. Don't put fuel on the fire. They already hate us. Be good citizens. Pay your taxes. Remember what Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar. <laughs> Pay your taxes. But remember who's the king. And then he goes down to the, the bottom line. And you all know, you all know the bottom line. You know the bottom line for Christians. This is verses 10 through, through or 8 through, through 10. He says this, owe no one anything except, here comes the bottom line, except to love each other. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. What's the word? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to the neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Bottom line, what's the bottom line for Christians? We're to love. If you're going to err on any side, err on the side of love. That you just, just, just that's, that's what he's calling us to do. Remember, again, we recognize everything is from God, through God, for God. 
As such, we have been living sacrifices, no, not conforming to the world, but rather transformed by the power of God. We, we gather ourselves with others likewise, inform this body of Christ. And then what, what are we called to do? The very first thing, verses 9 through 21 in chapter 12, let our love be genuine. We are called to love, love, love. That's what he's saying here. Err on the side of love. Always choose love. Now this is not rocket science. Love means love. Love does not mean I agree necessarily with your point of view. It means I'm going to love you. Even if, you disagree, even if I disagree with your point of view. Love means love. See, our world, our world, here's a place where we don't have to be conformed to our world's standards, whether we are transformed by God. Our world says, no, you have to, for you to love me, you have to agree with me. And, and the Bible says, no, that, no. Jesus is, what was Jesus called? Friend of sinners. Does that mean he agreed with the sinful behavior of those people? No, no, no. What it means is he was, he was friends with them. He loved them. Can't we do that? Can't we? Here's how it works practically. Do your neighbors know that you love them? Does your Republican neighbor know you love them? Does your Democrat neighbor know you love them? Does your, does your loud and obnoxious neighbor know that you love them? Does your different race neighbor know that you love them? Does your gay neighbor know that you love them? Does, does, your, does those, those, those obnoxious neighborhood kids, ah, do they know that you love them? Or do they know, ah, get off my lawn. Don't be the cranky neighbor. Be the loving neighbor. Be the neighbor that the kids want to see. Be the neighbor that the kids are waving at. Be the lo- Do they know you love them? I've told you before, our neighbor behind us growing up, Mrs. Carl, was the crankiest, meanest. Oh, she was so stinking mean. And she had a mean dog, and her kids were mean, and they were mean, and they were always mean, and they'd throw their garbage in our yard, and it was always, ah, you know, and if... And if we were, you know, if we were playing wiffle ball in the Prince Memorial Stadium in the backyard of our yard and hit the ball over the fence, home run! <laughs> but it's like Comerica Park. You're not getting that ball back because <laughs> it went in the Carl's yard and no one's going in there. And they were mean, mean, mean. And she would call my parents, hey, those kids. And my dad, my dad would, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Carl. I'll talk to those boys. And then the next thing my dad would do is, Carol, make some cookies. And then the next thing my dad would say is, Rob, take Mrs. Carl the cookies. <laughs> oh, do I have to? Here, Mrs. Carl, here's the cookies from my mom. As far as I know, Mrs. Carl never became a Christian. Maybe she did. As far as I know, she didn't. Uh, she, she never really <laughs> liked us kids. She kind of tolerated us, I guess. But by the end, before they moved out... You know, my dad was talk over the fence. They were friends. They were friends. Be a good neighbor. Love. Love, 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 love. That's the bottom line. Well, that's not the bottom line. There's a bottomer. That's not even a word. There's a bottomer line. Because Paul gives us the bottom line, and then he gives us a bottomer line, verse 11. Besides this, see? That means there's a bottomer line. Okay, you're to love, even when you're living in a corrupt society like they were in the first century, you are, to, you are to overcome evil with good. And how you do that, you love, let your love be genuine. You love, you love, you love, you love. And besides this, the bottomest line, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake 
from your sleep. For salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul is telling these brand new baby Christians. I mean, how long have they been Christians? They couldn't have been Christians very long, right? He's telling these brand new baby Christians who come from this, you know, pagan lifestyle, some of them, and all these different places. He's telling these brand new babies, you have have condiments in your refrigerator who have been there longer than these people have been Christians. How old is that mustard, 2018? Okay, that's still good enough. They They were brand new baby Christians, and yet he's telling them, wake up. Look around. Just, just check out what the hour has come. It's nearer now than ever before. He's saying Jesus is coming again. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Sometimes we, we Christians, I don't know if we got sucked into the uh, Left Behind series or when we, if you were from the 70s, you know, the thief in the night, you were left behind. We think of, we think of Jesus coming again like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? Jesus coming again, oh. But Paul isn't pessimistic about that. Paul is optimistic. The day has come. Hooray. Hallelujah. Rejoice. That's what Paul is saying. In fact, he, he makes it almost sound like you can be a superhero. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Hooray! The hour has come. He's telling these folks, wake up. Look around you. Your world needs Jesus. And Jesus needs you. That's what he's saying. He's not... Sometimes, sometimes, maybe I'm too gentle. I don't know. Because sometimes when I get ready to say something that may make you, you know, a little squirmy in your seat, I always say, now be careful, watch out for your little toesies. You've heard me say that, watch out for your toes, go to step on a few toes. Paul just barks right through, wake up! The world needs Jesus! Jesus needs you! This week, this week, I did, I don't never do this. This week I told somebody, I met with them, and I said... I said, listen, you're talented, you're gifted, you blah, 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 all these things. And then I said this, I really did. I said, you got to get off your butt. (laughs) Can I say it this way? Watch your toes. Oh, there I go. I did it again. We don't need bench warmers. We don't need sideline reporters. We need people involved. We need people serving Jesus. I don't know where you can serve Jesus, but you need to find a place to serve Jesus. Why? Look around you. Our world needs Jesus. Jesus needs you. And, 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 and we need you to serve Jesus. I, you know, our tech team needs more tech worker. Our, Justin, Justin, who has been uh, one of our awesome tech workers, he's volunteered more hours in this church probably in the last eight, ten years than any other adult or anyone else. And he's going off to Olivet this week. And, and we, we need 10 people to replace Justin. Are you kidding me? He's up there, you know. We, every area, every area needs... I talked to Larry Center this morning. He helps us with ushers and greeters and security. Especially, we need more people. I said, I know, we need more people. And our Sunday school teacher, we need more teachers. We need more youth workers. We need more children's workers. We need more, you name it. We need more people in the choir and the first service. Joel, if you can, you know, if you can shred a guitar, we probably could use that. Could we use that? We could. We need you. Find a place. I don't know what your place might be. Find a place. Find a place where you, where you can serve, where, 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 where it fits. 
where you can, we had, okay, we had a guy. Um, if I told you the name of the company, you would know it. Um, he was the CFO of this major, major, major company. He lived in Kansas City. He worked in Manhattan. And so every, uh, not Manhattan, Kansas, but Manhattan, Manhattan. And so every Monday he would fly uh, to New York and he would work all week and he'd fly home. And uh, he, uh, had his, he, Saturday was his day for his family and Sunday was his day for Jesus. But he didn't sing and he, and he didn't play the guitar. And so you know what he did? He, I mean, he was a VVIP. He was a very, very important person, right? Seven-figure salary. And what did he do? What was his job in the church? He would show up. He would be the first person at church after the preacher. He would be the first person at church and he would make coffee for every Sunday school class. And so he'd make the coffee and he'd make sure they had coffee and make sure they had had uh, cream and sugar and all the things and he'd get to church like at 7 o'clock and he'd make sure every place was all set. That was his job. Now, the rest of the story is eventually he told his boss in, in Manhattan, listen, I need to be with my family and his boss in Manhattan says, said, you'll never get enough, you'll never make this much money again. You, you know, you're, you're set to be the CEO and he said, I don't care, my family's more important and Jesus is more important so he quit and he came home and he, and he started a young adult group and it grew and grew and grew and it was huge and it was awesome. And he found a place of service. Paul is saying, listen, look around, wake up. Wake up. The world needs Jesus. And Jesus needs you. Paul gives a warning. He said, let's walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. <laughs> that hasn't been going on in, through this pandemic. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. NIV says, clothe yourself in Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He's saying, listen. It's daytime. Jesus is coming soon. But don't think the enemy is going to just let things go. That you need to be on your guard about, you know, some of the past things that you fell into. Whether it's drunkenness, whether it's sex and sensuality, whether it's quarreling and bickering and blah, blah, blah. But you need to, you need to, be, you need to be focused the world needs Jesus. Jesus needs you. It's, it's basically, Paul is set, telling these brand new baby Christians, what are you living for? Listen, the, Jesus is coming. This is serious. What are you living for? What are you working for? It's, it's, it's bigger than a paycheck. It's bigger than, uh, than, than all the things that we waste our time with. It's the kingdom of God. What are you living for? It brings to mind Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Don't store up for yourselves you know, treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be. Paul is saying that same thing. Wake up. There's things more important that's going on. The world needs Jesus. Jesus needs you. You know, Paul is telling this to these brand new baby Christians living in Rome in harm's way. I wonder what he'd tell us living in America with so many things at our fingertips. No one's threatening you when you come to church. You didn't have to sneak out to get here. You can carry your Bible. You can take it to school or work. No one's going to throw a 
fit. What would Paul say to us? One of my heroes is a guy named Brother Yun. Brother Yun um, was a leader in the underground church in China. You can read his story in a book called Heavenly Man. About, um, what, 18 years ago. It came out, it was like the book of the year, Christian book of the year in 2003. Brother Yun literally led thousands and thousands of people to Jesus Christ and set up a network of, of underground churches in China and became public enemy number one in China because of his faith. He was the most wanted guy. And the, the book, when you read Heavenly Man, you'll, the reason it's called Heavenly Man, because eventually he was captured and he didn't want to give up his name um, because he thought it would put uh, people in danger uh, that were connected to him. And so whenever they'd asked him his name, he'd say, well, I'm the Heavenly Man. <laughs> and so eventually they figured out who he was. But, I mean, that, that book, it's like, it's like reading the New Testament. There's miracles after miracles and all God working in all these powerful ways and, and, and healings taking place and people coming to know the Lord. And it's just powerful. And you think, wow! Well, eventually, eventually Brother Young was, was caught. And I put him in a maximum security prison in China. And, and in the book, it tells how, how uh, one night he was wakened, he thought, by the Holy Spirit... And the Holy Spirit said, walk out of this prison. He said, it's a maximum security prison. So he did. He walked out. It's New Testament Acts type of stuff. The doors opened. He walked through them. He walked right by guards. Who It was like he was invisible. He walked right out of that prison. It was, it, 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 it's documented in the Chinese government later. You know, they don't, they don't like people. He's the only person ever escaped from that prison. And later, the Chinese government, you know, guards were fired and all the rest because of what happened. And, and the, of course, the government didn't say the Holy Spirit let him out. The whole, what the government did say was no human helped him to get out. They thought he escaped, you know, he was like some kind of spy or something. I don't know. Well, Brother Yan, that's not, the, the point of my story isn't even all that. Brother Young got out, couldn't leave, live in China anymore, right? He's the most wanted guy. So he ends up, he's living in Germany now. But right after he got out, so from 2003 to 2008, he was traveling around uh, the world, mostly in Europe and the United States, telling about all these tremendous things. God's working, all these powerful things, all these miracles take a place, and he's going from church to church and, and convention to convention, and he's telling all these stories in America, in Europe, telling all these things about how God is working, and as he's traveling around in all these churches in the United States and Europe, he's looking at all these churches. And he's saying, wait a minute, man. They're not experiencing the power of God at work. There's no miracles happening here. These people are soft. He wrote a second book. I couldn't wait to read it, right? It's called The Living Waters. I loved the first book, Heavenly Man, so much. I couldn't wait till it came out. In 2008, it came out and I bought it. And it was a stinging indictment about the Western church saying, you people, you don't know sacrifice. You people, you... You talk about Jesus. You're not doing anything for Jesus. You people got everything at your fingertips. You're doing nothing for Jesus. People in China are dying for their faith. And what are you doing for your faith? He's really acting like Paul. He's saying, wake up. The world needs Jesus and Jesus needs you. That's what this is about. The world needs Jesus and Jesus needs you. 
Well, I, I didn't know how to close this service. And I'll t- I, may have to, I may have to apologize to the next, uh, to the 930 service. You guys can come on up. We're, we're ready to roll. It's 1156. And I, I, I didn't want to, you know, it's the, 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 day is, the day has come, right? It's not a pessimistic thing. It's not a thing that should, whatever, it should cause us to say, all right, I want to be a part of that team. All right, I want to be on it. And so I asked the band not to sing even, not an invitation song. You're not an, oh man, I need to get to, to work song. But rather, we're, we're going to sing, we're going to sing, all of us are going to sing, Unstoppable God, because it talks about a song that's, God, God's side's going to win, okay? We already know that. And, and our world needs Jesus, and Jesus needs us, and so, and so we, need to, we need to step up and say, that's me, I'm on, I'm on board. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to, to serve, I'm ready to work, I'm ready to be what Jesus wants me to be because our world needs Jesus and Jesus needs me. And I don't know what that will mean. Maybe that'll mean uh, working in our nurseries or maybe that'll mean, you know, helping out with Dylan or maybe that'll mean, uh, 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 you know, making the coffee for Sunday school classes. I don't know what it means. I just know this. Our world needs Jesus and Jesus needs you. And what that means is, the summary of, of, of Romans 13 is, even if things aren't going great in our world, hello, things aren't so great in our world, we overcome evil by good. That we are a people of love. And the way the, way the world is transformed is probably the power and the transformative love of Jesus Christ. And the way the world knows about the power and the transformative work of Christ is through people like you and me. The world needs Jesus. Jesus needs you. Jesus' side wins. He's unstoppable. We can rejoice that we serve with him. Maybe you've been sitting around too long and you need to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to be whatever you want me to be.